friends, welcome to episode 119 of the Fierce Calling Podcast. I'm your host, Dara Swift. Thanks for stopping by today, and I want to warmly welcome you to the show. I am excited today to be talking about a very important subject with my guest, Michelle Lazurek. What does it mean to surrender all? We sing the hymn, we talk about it. Um, But what does it really mean? And in this week's episode, when struggles teach us what it means to surrender all, Michelle is going to share openly about her struggles with mental health and what her journey taught her about true surrender. And as a pastor's wife, she provides insight into how the church can provide a supportive community where it's okay to be real and ask for help. And she also offers practical tips for navigating life's hard seasons and the importance of listening to our own souls. We're going to be talking about her book, I Surrender All, sort of, laying down your plans so God can do the impossible, and her new children's book that releases actually today, which she co-authored with friend Crystal Bowman, Who God Wants Me to Be. And that is an amazing picture book. And we're also talking about that. And I know you won't want to miss it. So take time to listen in while I have a chat with Michelle Lazurek because she's going to encourage, inspire, and challenge you. But first, take a listen to this information about Access More and check it out, friend. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually with podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff. You can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com or the Access More app. Welcome back to the Fierce Calling Podcast. Today, I am excited to introduce you to my friend, Michelle Azurek. She is a multi-genre, award-winning author. She's a literary agent, a certified writing coach, and she has an MA in counseling and human relations from Liberty University, my alma mater. She's also a sought-after speaker and lives in Coopersburg, Pennsylvania with her husband and two children, and... It's just an honor to have you here, Michelle. I got to meet Michelle at the Blue Ridge Mountain Christian Writers Conference and got to sit down with her and glean from her, and it it was just a joy to do that. So welcome to the show. So great to have you, Michelle. Hey, Doris. Thank you so much for having me. The honor is mine. Oh, that's so sweet. And I am looking forward to what you have to share because your book that we're talking about is something that just it's going to really touch everyone's heart. It's um, the one we're talking about, but we'll talk about other things too, other projects that you have going on too. But this particular book, I Surrender All, sort of, (laughs) laying down our plans so God can do the impossible. That just like catches you right there, piques your interest. And I think we can all relate to that. So Michelle, I would love if you would share a little bit about your story, how you're taking action, where your passion, compassion, and conviction intersect with all of this and how the book came about. Yeah. um, So what I love about my calling as a writer is that God never 
has ever called me to something to write that I haven't personally experienced myself. And this book is no exception. Um, All of my books are my babies. They're my personal projects. But at the same time, this one will probably be near, very near and dear to my heart for many years to come, I think, because it is so personal for me and to me. And I think it affects a lot of lot of people. Um, 2020 was probably one of the worst years of my life and not just because of COVID. Um, I always struggled with anxiety ever since I was a kid. And it came from a home that was probably a little more stricter, controlling. And so I never kind of knew where I stood with my parents, especially my mom. My mom is a stay-at-home mom. Uh, but she was very overly parental, if that makes any mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I often felt like I was walking on eggshells when I was around her. And so um, that created a lot of anxiety, which I always kind of kept at bay. I I was pretty good at keeping it in control. Mm -hmm. And I think that along with kind of going to a school, it was a a smaller uh, Catholic school. And uh, we had 24 people in the class and 12 girls and 12 boys. And so it was fairly competitive when it came to grades and, um, you know, who was getting what uh, in school. And so I think that along with, you know, parents that sacrificed a lot for me to go to that school um, really created a lot of anxiety, which again, like I said, up to that point, I had been able to control. Um, but right before COVID 2019 into 2020, um, I just hit this perfect storm of personal tensions. Um, we were having some, uh, issues with work, um, and all of that just kind of culminated in this, what I would consider a wave waves of panic. Uh, what once were kind of those pangs of fear now became these waves of panic that I couldn't control Mm -hmm. to the point where I was literally waking up panicked and going to bed panicked. And so like my resting heart rate, like I have one of those Apple watches and I would watch my resting heart rate and we'd be at like 130, sometimes 140, 150, just laying in bed. And I was like, this is not, this is not good. Mm -hmm. So it got to the point where I really wasn't functioning normally. And it really, there was no area of my life that it was not impacting. And so I had to take the hard step to get some professional help. I had to seek the help of counseling, get some medication um, and some other things so that I could be the best person that I could be and kind of get this mental health disorder um, under control. And I was uh, eventually diagnosed with a panic disorder. Um, but uh, I, I, it's, it's hard for me to even say that, that that season of my life was a gift. Looking back, I can say that now. When I was in it, I did not like the package it was wrapped in. I would have said return to sender because mm-hmm. it, was, it was really, really a hard, hard season. Um, but I think I learned a lot about myself through it. And I think I learned a lot about who God is through that. And I think he was able to not only heal my my mental health, even though it's something I'll probably always struggle with and still struggle with. It's I think the Lord was able to touch just the very deep personal parts of my life that um, I had never really he had never really reached before. I think there were times when I was aware of things, but I don't think they were dealt with as deeply as that. And then as because I had this panic disorder, like I'm a pastor's wife. So we had to let our church, you know, our church had to get involved. And so I, you know, we took a leave of, I had to take a leave of absence and, uh, and then COVID hit and the church shut down. So like I was there for like a week and then COVID hit and then I didn't see anybody. So of course everyone was concerned, like, is she okay? You know, like what's going on? So, um, yeah, it really, 
uh, it was really neat. But you know what? The Lord not only showed himself and let allowed his glory to shine, but he also let his glory shine through the people, through their hands and feet and their tangible expressions of love for me. So I learned a ton about myself, who God is, and who God's people should be through this tough season. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. And it's going to really encourage someone that's listening right now, especially when you were talking about the waves of panic. You know, we could just hear how God was moving, but yet, like you said, you were in in the midst of it. You didn't see it as a gift. And then later you did see it as a gift, but also the fact being that, you know, you are a pastor's wife and having to share that with your congregation, I think it really speaks volumes to someone maybe who doesn't feel like they can say something like that out loud in fear of being judged, in fear of people saying that they might not have enough faith or so did you run into any of that or have people thanked you for sharing and being open about that? Yeah. Um, yeah, they definitely, I think the thing that shined the most for me were the stories mm-hmm. of the people that uh, came up to me after they had learned, uh, you know, that I was struggling. Um, I had so many people that came up to me with either they had struggled personally with it, some sort of mental health, whether it was anxiety, depression, mm-hmm. you know, something other um, that was mental health related or knew somebody who had struggled. And so it was more widespread throughout the church than I was aware of. Mm-hmm. And I think it is a, I mean, it's definitely an issue that is so still strongly stigmatized within the church. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons why I do podcasts like this. And I wrote what I wrote um, and I write articles about it because um, I really want to see mental health normalized and mental health disorders normalized within the church. What I mean by that is I want the people of Christ to be equipped to know what to do with someone who's struggling. Mm. And I think, you know, we're we're kind of at the tail end of COVID. Who knows what tomorrow will bring? Who knows what the future will bring? Mm. But I think if that taught us anything as Christians, it taught us that life is short, that life is a vapor, and that God can choose to give or take away at his leisure. And um, there are people who are struggling and there's going to be many more people who are struggling at the after effects, the ripple effect of COVID that we don't even know because this is the first time we've ever dealt with anything like this. And so I want to see the church equipped. I know um, just as a church in general, I know we have a couple of Christian counselors that are around our area. And so we had to um, refer many times to those uh, types of professionals. And they were booked out eight months to a year out uh, before they could see anybody. So if anyone was really struggling, like I was struggling, oh my gosh, I couldn't even believe, I, I couldn't even believe that they would have to wait that long for the, the help that they need. Yeah. And so I would love to see the churches come alongside people and at least be able to help in some way while they're waiting for uh, professional help, not to say that they need to take the place of it, mm-hmm. but I would love to see people with some tangible tips and strategies to be able to help someone who's struggling and not just see it as, or, or give a platitude, like it's all in your head, uh, snap out of it. You just need to pray and read more. And, you know, I, the vast majority of people in my church understood me and embraced me mm-hmm. through that. There were some that didn't, but they were in the minority. And, um, you know, I think, like I said, what I learned from that was that, the church needs to understand that it's okay not to be okay. And that we stop wearing these masks that we put on at churches and we need to just be who we are. And if we're struggling, we need to be able to say we're struggling and be able to be embraced 
and accepted for that struggle without feeling like we have less faith because of it. Mm. Amen to that. And I love how you were talking about how you want to see the church equipped to be able to help those in the church family to be able to understand that this is something that we really need to have awareness about and understand, have a better understanding about it. Because like you said, it's still a stigma in a lot of arenas concerning Christians and churches and that kind of thing. And by people sharing their struggles, it helps other people feel like they have permission to share theirs sooner even, right? Like people could suffer for a whole lot longer in silence, but because, for example, like you as the pastor's wife sharing your struggle, that gave people like permission that it's okay, like you said, okay not to be okay. And that is so important, especially now with all that's going on in the world. And it it just reminded me too of the scripture in 2 Corinthians where Paul talks about, you know, his thorn in his side and that in his weakness that God can shine and his power is made perfect in, in our weakness because the world tells us weakness is something totally different, doesn't it, Michelle? Yeah, I mean, from the world's, I mean, I think in general, and unfortunately, I think the church has embraced at least a portion of this is kind of that American dream idea where you pull yourself up from your bootstraps and you do everything on your own. Mm-hmm. And I think that the church in as a whole is not set up, at least on Sunday mornings anyway, it's not set up for intimate relationships with each other. And when you don't have an intimate relationship with each other, how can you possibly have an intimate relationship with the Lord? Mm. And so it sets us up to fail in a sense. And so I would love to see us as, as a church, as a body of Christ, you know, be able to embrace not only ourselves, warts and all, but also embrace each other. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app. So I would love to see us as as a church, as a body of Christ, you know, be able to embrace not only ourselves, warts and all, but also embrace each other Mm. and just to, to say, hey, you know, I understand that you're struggling. And, you know, here's what I can do to help you. And it doesn't necessarily mean just jumping in and solving the problem necessarily, because that's what, at least with my personal experience, that's what it's been. It's, I have to tell you what to do so I can make myself feel better because I don't know how to deal with the situation when the reality is I just need you just to maybe hug me or, you know, say, or share your story. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a tangible gift, an expression of love, like a a meal or, um, you know, uh, flowers or whatever, you know, whatever the case may be, just filling in that gap, standing in the gap, and at the very least praying for each other in that that area. And I think when you have a church that's praying, really praying for each other and building them up and embracing that community, like we had in Acts, you know, where people really just gave, it was of no consequence to them whatsoever, just to give everything that they had for the sake of the other within their own body. And then the Lord added to, so we're so concerned about adding the others that we that we we forget that we really need to sacrifice of ourselves for the other people within our congregations and members to really love on them and that's when the lord adds to our numbers when we're you know effectively doing that so i think weakness in general is embraced as an independence 
but I think the church needs to embrace interdependence where we're interdependent, not only on ourselves, but on the Lord. And that we understand, you know, just as we were praying before, you know, we came on that, that we are his branches. He is divine. Apart from him, we do nothing. And we always forget that part. It's like all this in Jesus too. Like I can do this little Sunday box thing and then go on with my life for the other six days of the week and do whatever I feel like. And that's just not, that's just not the type of relationship that, that God wants from us. So good. So true. I love all of that. And so important to have community. And that is so key. And especially too from you sharing your story coming from a background of having a master's in counseling and human relations. So, you know, it just goes to show we can have had knowledge of these kind yeah. of things. And I love that you shared that, you know, church really needs to be disciples who are healthy because we're called to be disciples who make disciples. And before we add to the numbers, we really need healthy disciples. Not that we're perfect, not that we're all fixed up, but the fact being that being healthy so we can move forward in what God's called us to do. So yeah, so much good stuff right there. And um, I love where your quote where you said all this in Jesus too. So true. That's going in the show notes because I always like to put like quotes in the show notes of, you know, when uh, some of my favorite quotes, I mean, the whole thing is my favorite usually, but there's certain nuggets of truth that we can all relate to. All, all this in Jesus too, we do forget that we can't do this in our own strength and our own power. And, you know, the fact being earlier when you were talking about how people will say, you just need more faith, you know, and that, you know, all these trite answers that don't really help people. I mean, they might be very well-meaning too and not doing it like to try to be sarcastic or anything, but just listening to people and being there and sitting with people, like you were saying earlier. So good. And um, and so what are some areas of your life that you have found difficult to surrender? And as you were going through this book, you were actually living through it as you were writing it. Um, yeah. So like I said, there was no area of my life that this uh, mental health didn't impact. And so um, I really had to learn to surrender all of myself. But I think the thing that is most deeply ingrained inside of me is this idea of performance. And I think I learned that I'm really the eldest son in the parable of the lost son, mm-hmm. because I'm kind of the one in the field kind of grousing, you know, and slaving in the fields, um, wondering why, you know, this sinner gets so much more than me. And I think when you live with the lies in your head, like, you know, like I mentioned about being in a home where it's a bit more controlling, there was also some favoritism there too. And when you're have that favoritism where you're not the one that's favored, you really have to learn how to earn your way to get the love and approval that you desire. And once that becomes ingrained in you, and like I went through my adulthood with that idea, when you have to perform to get what you want, it's really hard to let that go. And I think that's the thing that I had to surrender to the most was the fact that I couldn't perform my way out of this. I couldn't drive my way out of it. I just had to learn just to let it go. And I think I learned even just the basic idea of what surrender really is. Like I had always thought that surrender was just, well, doing nothing, mm-hmm. just sitting back and kind of, you know, lacing my, my fingers behind my head and just saying, you know, where do you do it? You know, like, I don't, I don't do anything, you know, you just do it all. And that's really not it at all. It's about 
it, part of it is about letting go. It's about letting the, go of the areas that you really can't control, like your children, like your finances, like your health, like uh, your marriage, like, you know, your, your work, you know, anything that you really are holding on to so tightly. And that's the reason why, you know, I named the book what I did, because I actually remember the first time this idea actually came to me it was about 20 years ago, actually, I was on a worship team. And we were practicing uh, for that Sunday service and we were singing the hymn, I Surrender All. Mm -hmm. And after we were done, the gentleman playing guitar put down his guitar and he said, well, that's not really true, is it? And we kind of just looked at each other and we're like, what do you mean? And he said, well, I mean, we surrender all. I mean, do we, he said, we don't really surrender all, do we? He said, we were, we surrender some, but do we surrender all? Mm -hmm. And I remember that really impacting me and I never forgot it. It's been 22 years since I heard it. And I still was reminded of that as I was writing this was that there's so many areas of our lives. I mean, we go to church, we, you know, put our hands up high in, in worship and we, you know, we, we give it all to the Lord for that one hour and we get back in our car and we go to our daily lives and we don't give him full access to all the areas of our lives, even the ones that are the toughest, even the ones that are messiest. We don't want people to see, and we don't want the Lord to take control of that prodigal son who's maybe not coming back to the faith. We don't want people to see, and we don't want God to give full access to that debt that we have that we want anyone to know about, or why I don't tithe, or, you know, or the reason why I don't go to church regularly, like all those areas that are just really messy that we Unfortunately, as Christians have learned to let be a part of our culture, those are really the areas that I think God is really tapping into. And so those are things that I really had to reconcile within myself was that I couldn't perform through them and that there were areas of my life that were messy that I had to let go of. And I still have to continue to let go. And even when I want to pick up, you know, my sword, the anger verse for the book is Exodus. Um, I think it's uh, 14 and it's about remote, um, the the armies of the Israelites are looking out. They see that they're surrounded. Um, they're basically grumbling to Moses, you know, why'd you bring us here? You know, we're going to die. We don't want to be here. And Moses says, stand firm and watch the Lord deliver you. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Mm-hmm. And it's the whole rest of that chapter, that passage. Do you see that God did so much when they put their weapons down? We're just so counterintuitive. And it goes back to what we were just talking about when it comes to that American dream or the world's idea of what weakness is, because we're trained that, you know, intuitively you would pick up that sword and want to wield it and just fight for your life. You know, I'm not going down without a fight, but the, you know, in in that moment when he asked them to lay their weapons down, only then did the Lord really do the things that he in his plan were going to do. And so when we actually lay down the areas of our lives that we really can't control and the areas of our lives where we want to fight for and hold on to so tightly when we can open our palms and let go of those things and let them loosely is when God really does work in our lives. And so that was what I learned throughout the whole book. And I give personal examples for like 18 different areas of your life because it really there, I don't think there's any, any, I don't think anyone could read the book from cover to cover and not hit upon at least one area of their life that has, you know, that that they are holding on to, mm-hmm. that God is asking them, what area of your life do you need to let go of so that I can do the impossible in your life? Yeah, totally agree with you on that because I think there are probably multiple things in the book that people can really like connect with and relate to that perhaps 
holding on to, you know, a little too tightly and maybe not even realizing that they're doing it. Or things like we were talking about earlier, you were when you were sharing about things that you experienced in your childhood, things like that that have a ripple effect in our lives and that we may not even connect the dots as to why we're having a certain struggle here or behaving this way or why we do things the way we do. And, and it could actually stem back from something that we haven't even realized has affected us. And so what, what would be some ways that you could encourage the listener right now in their walk of surrender with the Lord? Um, I think the first thing, and I know it sounds really simplistic, but praying, um, I think some of the best prayer times I've ever had and the best prayers I've ever prayed are ones that just say help or, you know, uh, Lord, I can't do this on my own. Um, and I think we have gotten to a place, like we mentioned before in churches where the model is not set up for us to be vulnerable on a Sunday morning, at least not on a Sunday morning anyway. And we really need to get back to the church being that atmosphere, whether it's Sunday morning or a small group time or whatever the church has you know, in terms of their system of how to be able to express ourselves in a vulnerable way. And so how many, you know, the question I want to ask, you know, listeners today is how many times have we really cried out to God in this vulnerable state of prayer to him? Um, And not only praying and asking God for things, but also listening. Um, I think it's a lost art that isn't being taught as well as it could be in churches. I think uh, silence and solitude is kind of this lost discipline that not a lot of people are practicing because it's so easy to kind of GM pack our schedules full of things that we crowd out time with the Lord, real quality time with the Lord. And I think for anybody who wants to do silence and solitude, they're really, I mean, that alone sitting in silence for an extended period of time, like 20 minutes, 30 minutes, that does calm my anxiety. And for people who are struggling, who are listening to this because they have anxiety, I'm not saying that's the cure-all, but it certainly is a start. Uh, When you can just sit there and just be in the quietest spot in your home and not be bothered for 20 minutes, just close your eyes and you can even darken the room if you, you know, you'd like, and just listen to what, to, to your own soul and listen to what God is saying to you through that. I think when you can crowd out the noise of life is when God can speak to us the most. And it's something we need to do regularly. And if you're not hearing from God in those first few times, that's okay. God yearns to be present with us. That's it. There's no agenda, but if God wants to speak, I certainly want to give him room to. And if he chooses not to speak during that time, that's fine. But at least I want to give him the space and the time in the same way I would give him my money in the same way I would give him my Sunday morning. I want to give him some time during my week to be able to really listen. I mean, we all want to be like Jesus, but Jesus went up to lonely places and prayed. And that was a part, he made the time, he made the adjustments, he got up early, he did the work. And because that was his priority, time with the father was the priority, it's what got him through his day. Mm -hmm. And that's what's going to get us through our days, if we can only make those adjustments in our schedules to make more room for God. So I think the first thing is praying. Mm -hmm. The second thing is to seek help. There is no shame in seeking professional help. And I know there's still a stigma around that. And I would say, if someone needs help, please get it. Um, you know, I would, I would recommend a Christian counselor if you can find one. Um, but at the same time, I think you need to have someone who can help you process through past pain 
past trauma, maybe things that are in your past that maybe you haven't never dealt with or things that are really skewing your worldview today. Um, there are great resources out there that can help you figure out some past areas of your life, maybe past events that might still be impacting you today that you're not aware of. And so I would say, get help if you can. And if you need medication, get it. You know, there's, you would never tell a heart patient, just have faith and get rid of your heart medicine or don't have that surgery. No one would say that. They would just say, go get yourself what you need to be happy. Go see the doctor. And so you need, just as our hearts can break and our bodies can break, our brains can break too. Mm -hmm. And so mental health is a part of the broken world where we live. Mm -hmm. And if you need to get professional help from someone or medication to help you cope, there is no shame in that, especially in the world that we live in today with everything being thrown at us. There's no reason why medication shouldn't be a part of someone's daily regimen if they need it. And I think the last thing is just to find community. If you're not in a local church, please find one. That's what we're here for. You know, scripture says, do not give up the habit of meeting together. Um, But we need to be prepared for the day when we see him approaching. You know, that's, that's, and especially with COVID, we've gotten lax on that because it's so easy to turn on our computers or our websites and listen to whoever, you know, kind of tickles our fancy at the time. And there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. But you have to, the local church body is there for a reason. Mm-hmm. And those are people just like you and me who can relate to us. And they're people who can kind of be the people in our corner when we're struggling and helping us. And at the same time, really cheer with us when we're, when we're doing well and when we need uh, support. So get into that local body. Um, I, if it weren't for my local church, you know, I don't know where I would be. And so they've helped me out so many times throughout the years with different areas and different struggles. So get into your local community that get into your local body of Christ. It's what it's there for. And, uh, you know, people really do shine and they can use your spiritual gifts and that blesses not only them, but blesses you too. Uh, when you to find that. Yeah. Wow. That was really great. And all of the ways that you were giving these tips and really not tips, but I would say like these action steps, but they're not overwhelming. Because a lot of the things that we deal in our life, it's overwhelm and it's more extra stuff, you know, on our plates. And it, it just like we're, ah, you know, something sometimes just short circuits and we, uh, it's just too much. But I love uh, when you were talking about prayer, how you were encouraging us to just sit and listen to God and listen to our souls, our own souls. And how I'm, that just sounds peaceful. You know, just saying it, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like, that just sounds so peaceful. And I I just love that so much. And also how you were talking about medication. If, you know, pray about it. If, if you feel like that's what God is saying, that you need to see a professional counselor. And if that's what is going to help, um, maybe for a season that, people wouldn't say anything about taking a couple of Tylenols, you know? So like, what is the deal with, you know, I, I know what you're talking about. And I think it's so great that you have brought that forth. You know, the fact being that we wouldn't try to say that somebody with high blood pressure shouldn't take medication or someone with a heart condition shouldn't. And the fact being that this is all encompassing, you know, physical, mental, and really emotionally and spiritually too, these things um, that medications can really help. And so not to feel less than or ashamed 
of doing that. So I think that's so important. And those, those are just so great. And I know that this book is going to help even more people. And this is just a great book that people can use too if they're if they're maybe doing lay counseling and want to help someone and and share a, share the book with them or share the book with friends or family members um, besides themselves too to read it because it's really for everyone and I, I would love to if you would share a little bit about the newer projects that you're working on. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I have a new children's book. It's coming out. September 20th. And it comes, I co-wrote it with a friend of mine, Crystal Bowman, and it's called Who God Wants Me to Be. And it's a cast of four girls that dream about what they want to be when they grow up. And they dream about everything from being a stay-at-home mom to a doctor, to a dentist, to someone who helps in third world countries get water for people who need it. Like it, it's, it really does encompass all of the different types of careers that a girl can be. And it, it allows girls, empowers girls to dream and encourages them to dream big. But at the same time, and what I love about it is it strikes a balance between dreaming big mm-hmm. and choosing your own career and also realizing that God, there is a big God who knows you, who orders your steps and has a plan for your life. And so you can dream big and choose your career, but at the same time, seek him and find out what he has for your life. So we are extremely excited about it. Uh, we just got our copies uh, last week or the week before, and uh, it's gorgeous. So um, we are super excited to see it um, out there. Um, yeah, so uh, yes, yeah, so that's our newest project, and we're just in love with it. So That's so precious. I really love that whole concept and how that's going to help families encourage their girls. And so what age group would you say the book was geared toward? I would say uh, five to eight. Mm-hmm. So kind of in preschool or kindergarten, yeah. kind of going to, you know, maybe second grade, it probably can go up to uh, ages nine and 10. Mm-hmm. So maybe like fourth grade. Uh, so it's, you know, young enough for the preschooler who's still kind of uh, great with imagination. And it's at the same time, it's helping those who are older, who may be entering into a little more of the preteen years where that imagination kind of goes away mm-hmm. and they start really dealing with the realities of life. And it helps them, you know, again, understand that, you know, your work is important, that we are children of God. That's who we are. God chose us for purpose and that he has a grand plan for our lives. And within that is your career. But at the same time, uh, what they the illustrator did so beautifully is that it's, it's all about equality. It's all about girls that are all equal, no matter what they do in life and that their worth and value does not come from their career, but who God says they are um, and his promises to us. So such an important message to get to girls when they're young because grown up girls right now struggle with that, with the feeling that their worth and value is connected to what they do, you know, or how much they have or what they've achieved, you know? And so it's so important to get this message into the hands of, of these young ladies um, you know, early, that's so good, but really adults can learn from it too. So, um, you know, it's a really important message. So I'm excited about that. Is there going to be like, um, a, a launch time or how would we get our hands on those? So, um, you can go to waterbrookmultnoma.com. They have it. Uh, Walmart has it. Target has it. Um, Barnes and Noble has it. Uh, Mardell, Lifeway. 
um, Amazon, of course. Um, so yeah. And, and of course, Crystal and my websites will have it too, but, um, but yeah, I, we think it's a great gift for little girls, especially during the holidays and, um, and especially in the fall when there's new season, uh, school starting up, you know, uh, and little girls are off to school. It's a brand new year, brand new opportunity to be who God has made them to be. Mm-hmm. And I think kind of expressing themselves in terms of what they want to be when they grow up, I think is a great, um, concept for them to explore in this season. Yeah. So good. So I'll have that information in the show notes so the listener can find that. But how can Lister connect with you, Michelle? Uh, yeah. Best way to do that is to go to my website, Um, And on it, you'll find uh, a blog. You'll find uh, services that I offer, um, some things that I've written. Um, you'll find the store where you can buy books if you'd like. Uh, but the most important page that I love is the contact page. And uh, if you've listened today and there's something that I've said that has resonated with you or you want extra help or you want to ask me additional questions, please don't feel be afraid to reach out to me. Um, anytime I receive one, everybody gets a response. Mm-hmm. And uh, so if you have need help, you're struggling with mental illness or you want more information or you want to know more about how you can get some help, um, you know, please contact me there. Leave me a little note and your email address and I'll be happy to connect with you. That's awesome. Thank you so much for being on and sharing your heart and all of this helpful information for those who are listening today. And I know that it's really blessed a lot of people and whoever's listening This is probably going to bless somebody that you know in your life. So be sure to share this episode with them. And Michelle, it's been so great having you on. I'd love to have you back on again sometime. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Okay, friend. Well, you take care and we will talk soon. Okay. Thanks so much. Thank you for joining us today. And it was by no accident that you listened in to this episode Wasn't it just amazing and chock full of encouragement and things that we can really, really relate to? And I love the quotes in the show where Michelle said, when we actually lay down the areas of our lives that we really can't control and the areas of our lives where we want to fight for and hold on to so tightly, when we can open our palms is when God really does work in our lives. She also said some of the best prayer times I've had and the best prayers I've ever prayed are ones that just say help or Lord, I can't do this on my own. And she also said, we are the branches. He is the vine. Apart from him, we do nothing. And we always forget that part. It's like all this in Jesus too. Isn't that so, so true that we do that friend. And I hope that the conversation today really did encourage you if you're struggling in any area that we talked about on the show that you would reach out for help reach out to Michelle and we just want to be here to lift you up in prayer and just know that you are not alone and I hope you'll join me next time when I talk with another woman who's taking action where her passion compassion and conviction intersect until then friend Have a blessed week, and I'll talk to you soon.